All right, glad you're with us. And write down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. You know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine about how, you know, is it possible to bridge the divide in the country? And, And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't believe at this moment in time that those people that have dedicated themselves and the worst part is some of them are very powerful people that even would break the law and use the tools of intelligence uh, to do so. And we're hopefully going to get to the bottom of this because I think that everybody that used those powerful tools of intelligence, everybody that did this, if we don't stop that and prevent that from ever happening again, we're going to lose the country. That's how severe it is. But you've got this group of people. People, why, why can't we all just get along? How do you get along with people that, for whatever reason, have convinced themselves that Donald Trump is Satan? That will, that cannot, in any way, shape, manner, or form, give this man credit for anything, no matter what he does. It's not even a joke anymore when I say if Donald Trump cured cancer, Donald Trump would be impeached for curing cancer because he probably didn't work through some government agency. We now know everything that has gone on with sleepy, creepy, crazy Joe 30330, by the way, who had a disastrous debate last night yet again, yet. You have an entire industry that is willing to to disconnect from fundamental truth, reality about his behavior and his son's behavior. And they don't even care. Yesterday, I can tell you if it was Don Jr. on Good Morning America admitting that he got paid Millions of dollars for nothing, no background, no experience. And then the father on tape bragging about leveraging our money as taxpayers to get the guy that's investigating this mess, this corruption in Ukraine uh, fired within six hours. And son of a B, he got it done you would hear a very different mob in the media reporting on this. They would be all over this cronyism, all over that corruption. Because you got to understand that there's a reason why if somebody's family member is making millions and millions and did you have any experience in Ukraine? No. Do you have any experience in energy or gas? No. Do you have any experience sitting on a board? No, I was on a board of Amtrak. The next thought, well, what experience did you have being on the board of Amtrak? Except that your father is a high profile vice president. And similarly, China's even worse. I have not received one cent, one penny. Okay, even factcheck.org, liberal factcheck recognizes that that is parsing words because even his own lawyer admitted he has equity. He just hasn't been paid out yet. 
The president has repeatedly said that you received $1.5 billion from China despite no experience and for no apparent reason. Obviously, fact checkers have said that that is not true. Look, this is literally has no basis in fact in any way. I have you received any money from no. business dealing? No. At all? Not no. one cent? Not one cent. Definitely not $1.5 billion. It's crazy. They feel like they have the license to go out and say whatever they want. It feels to me like living in um, some kind of Alice in Wonderland where you're up on the real world and then you fall down the rabbit hole and, you know, the president's a Cheshire cat asking you questions about crazy things that, that don't have bear any resemblance to the reality of, of uh, anything that has to do with me. And so <laughs> here's, here's the answer. No one ever paid me $1.5 billion. Uh, it was a $1.5 billion deal. It started out as one. No experience with China. No experience with private equity. Why 10 days after he and his dad flew to China? That's cronyism. That is, that is cashing in on your father's position. Now, the next logical question. Why don't we want the sons and daughters of politicians taking that kind of money in from countries they don't know anything about in industries that they know nothing about. What do you think they're giving the money for? Why? Because they they just happened to meet Hunter and thought he was a great guy. So we're going to pay him fifty thousand dollars a month. No, they're hoping that they're buying influence. It's an investment for them. And this is why the, the, this the, 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 with media being dead and journalism being dead in this country and the double standard as it is, we it, this is now an information war that's going on. This is worse than Pravda. This is worse than propaganda. I mean, Project Veritas revealing CNN is a is a full on extension of the destroy Trump Democratic Radical Socialist Party. And they're even showing favoritism towards individual candidates. And they're getting their marching orders from their fearless leader, Jeff Zucker, every day. And then he just hands it off to his stenographer, Humpty Dumpty and company, and then all the on-air hosts. By the way, when are we getting this next installment from Project Veritas, where apparently Uh, he'll be on tomorrow. And this is going to be Zucker giving direct questions in the middle of an interview we we're expecting. We right? actually have on Hannity today something that he gave us a little tidbit teaser for About tomorrow. That. Is it good? Oh, it's good. Let's play it. What are we? We'll get we have to it. it. Stand by. It's also on Hannity.com. Okay. And here's the thing. Thank you. No, for wait, let's play it. Seriously. It's amazing. All right. Yeah. So Jeff Zucker runs the show. Jeff Zucker runs the show. He, may, he will personally go into the control room. And if Jake Topper was interviewing Kelly and Conway, he, he one time, like, he went to the control room during that interview. And he was like, keep keep going. Keep going. Ask the questions. Blow past the commercial breaks. Keep going. And it, it turned a seven-minute interview into a 25-minute Why? Because Jeff Zucker personally got on the phone and they said he produced a show. What was happening? Oh, he got into his ear. He was interviewing. Kelly and Conway, and it was she like a tough exchange. She was arguing back and forth with Jake Tapper, and, and, and Zucker I'm told him on the earpiece, "Keep going, keep going, keep going, don't stop." Because you were jamming her up. Yeah, yeah, justice. yeah. I mean, Kelly and Conway is just whatever. So. I like the fact that you guys are jamming her up, though. Because she deserves it. She, she's lying all the time. Is she, or is she just? She is. Uh, is a 
Why you laughing? So Zucker sees an opportunity and just says, just the fuck nail him. So wait a minute, I'm, 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 what I'm hearing here, and you you read the transcript, I have not read it yet, <clears throat> that Zucker is in the control room, Kellyanne Conway's on, blowing commercial breaks, and say, blow right through them, stay on the air, and, and giving questions to the whatever whoever the host so, is? Yeah, so basically the verbatim of this is, it. you know, um, Carrie Porch, who was the undercover CNN employee that... That we uh, had on... Right, right. That was on your show the other night. Right. So he's like, oh, Jeff Zucker runs the show. He will personally go into the control room. And in fifth, Jake Tapper's interviewing Kelly and Conway, I mean, the one time during that interview, and he was like, keep it going, keep it going, ask the questions. We're going to blow the commercial breaks. Keep it going. Is he giving... Com- is he actually passing along the questions? And he's telling them, and then he's like, a seven. Like, so like it's 10 on one behind the scenes. Right. So then he's saying, you know, they turn a seven minute interview into a 25 minute interview to just effing nail her. Because they think she's a liar. That's what they said. Basically, if you I'm, I'm sure anybody who went on that network from what we're hearing here from Mr. Porch, who worked there, is that if you like Donald Trump, if you ever said one nice thing about him in your lifetime, they were going to destroy you. And that's what they do. You see, I mean, the, how do you reconcile this mob mentality? I call them the mob for a reason. It is a mob mindset. And that is there is no fidelity to truth. You must eliminate and suspend all reason, all common sense that you were born with and just stay fixated on the agenda. Because if it was Don Jr. that gave that interview on Good Morning America and then his former vice president dad was on stage the, the neck that night, that would have been all they talked about all night. But that's now you've got them working in sync, the mob and the media and the radical extreme Democratic socialists. And I mean, I can't even imagine that Barack Obama is radical enough. He probably would have adapted and adjusted because he is a, a radical deep down in his soul. But I mean, he was a guy that said he believed in marriage between a man and a woman. And he wasn't in favor of gay marriage. You might remember that Bill Clinton gave us don't ask, don't tell. Or, you know, what, there's not one candidate now that will even defend Obamacare. All those promises broken. You know, you didn't keep your doctor, your plan, and everybody paid more. We have nearly 40 percent of the country only has one option in health insurance at this point in time. And everybody is up to anywhere between almost everybody's playing 200 percent more than what they paid for inferior care. And this radical group now wants to take that and put it on human growth hormone and and steroids. And they want to outlaw private health insurance. And then they want to confiscate Bernie Sanders case, 97.5 percent of rich people's wealth. And even the rich person, and I'm not a capitalist. And then you have, then you add to that the new Green Deal madness. And you've got yourself policies that will destroy everything we believe in in this country. It's a tipping point. This is not a talking point. It is a tipping point for the country. Because if they win, I predict all those people that saved money and paid their taxes already. When the government comes and legalizes stealing even more money, then what's going to happen is those people are going to leave. They're going to leave the country like they've been leaving New York and California and New Jersey and Illinois. And I don't blame them because you're coming in and you're rewriting the rules after the fact because they all paid. The top one percent nearly pays 40 percent already. 
You have the top 10% paying over 70% of the tax bill. 20% almost all of it. Bottom 50% wage earners, no income taxes. None. They don't pay it. You have distribution. Now they want to control the, the means of production. Now they want to take over entire industries. They all want to shut down oil and gas, which then makes us dependent on foreign countries for the lifeblood of our economy. But they don't even want us to use it eventually. We can't be competitive in, in any economic endeavor without that lifeblood of our economy. And we have more available. Now we're energy independent for the first time in 75 years. And I'm thinking this is this is what they want. You got every candidate on that stage going further and further radical socialist extremist left. You know, you got Joe and Hunter getting away with that, which no Republican would ever get away with. Just glossed over as if it's not a big deal. No experience in China, no experience, no experience, no background in any of these fields. But we're going to make millions and millions. And there's nothing. There's no cronyism there. There's no conflict of interest there, only if you're a Republican. And then the impeachment witch hunt, the never ending desire to destroy a president. I'm telling everybody in this program, you really only have one choice and one option. We better defeat them because we're not going to be able to reason with people like this. And I mean, at the ballot box, because if not, then you're going to get the government you ultimately deserve. It's not what the country deserves. It's not what our kids deserve, because the real casualty in this is going to be our constitutional republic and the future of our kids and something called freedom, because that will be non-existent in this world. But they'll take care of every need you have until they can't afford, afford it. What did Margaret Thatcher say? Yeah, socialism is great. You run out of other people's money. Even if we confiscate everyone's money, we could never fulfill the fantasies that they're offering. It was so lame beyond the radical socialist extremist policies. I mean, then then, of course, Biden's they just get a pass. You have any experience in China? No. Private equity? No. Ukraine? No. You have any experience in oil? No. Energy? No. Gas? No. Well, why do you think they were willing to, to to pay you all this money? Well, um, the answer is to the question. Yeah, tell In the them. list that you gave me of the reasons why you're on that board, you did not list the fact that you were the son of the of vice course. president. Yeah, no, I, I, what role do you think that played? I think that it is impossible for me to be on any of the boards that I just mentioned without saying that I'm the son of the vice president of the United States. You were paid $50,000 a month for your position? Look, I'm a private citizen. One thing that I don't have to do is sit here and open my kimono as it relates to how much money I make or make or did or didn't. But it's all been reported. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. I, I don't think probably there's not. a lot of things that would yeah, have happened in my not. life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. So you're getting a fortune and your dad's the vice president. You're even traveling with him and you have no background or experience. Well, why did, why did they give him the money? It's And the media buys that if you talk about it, it's a conspiracy theory. That's how sick, what sick liars they all are. 
This is the sixth debate we have had in this presidential cycle and not nearly one word with all of these discussions about health care on women's access to reproductive health care, which is under full on attack in America today. And it's outrageous. There are states that have passed laws that will virtually prevent women from having access to reproductive health care. And it is not an exaggeration to say women will die. Poor women, women of color will die because these Republican legislatures in these various states who are out of touch with America are telling women what to do with our bodies. Women are the majority of the population in this country. People need to keep their hands off of women's bodies and let women make the decisions about their own lives. Thank you, Senator. Is the goal of your plan to tax billionaires out of existence? The truth is we cannot afford to continue this level of income and wealth inequality, and we cannot afford a billionaire class whose greed and corruption has been at war with the working families of this country for 45 years. So if you're asking me, do I think we should demand that the wealthy start paying the wealthiest, top one-tenth of one percent, start paying their fair share of taxes so we can create a nation and a government that works for all of us Yes, that's exactly what I believe. All right, there it is, uh, Crazy Bernie. By the way, Bernie got lucky. Three members of the squad have come out for Crazy, you know, the angry old man socialist, Bernie Sanders, who I am not a capitalist. Great. That's what America needs. And the, the weird thing is, I guess he's more mainstream now in the Democratic Extreme Radical Party. Um, we have Ohio swing voters. Yeah, they don't like. Pelosi's impeachment hoax. They think it's a waste of time. Nine out of 11 that took part in a focus group in Ohio uh, convened by Axios and uh, some other group showed that swing voters, quote, expressing a range of unease about impeaching the president. And uh, anyway, so that's nine out of 11. We have a two to one margin. Republican voters approve of Trump's withdrawal from Syria. That is a, a economist YouGov poll. Um, you've got uh, some breaking news as well. You got Texas Democratic Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, senior member of the House Judiciary Committee, said that the Ukraine whistleblower should testify in the House. Uh, on the impeachment inquiry, a notable dissent from their chairman, uh, the cowardly shifty Schiff. Now, why can't why doesn't Schiff want to bring in the whistleblower? Number one, we've never needed a whistleblower. The whistleblower has never been a real whistleblower. It's been a non whistleblower whistleblower only had hearsay, didn't have any direct knowledge of anything. And we have the transcript. They didn't expect that the president was going to release the transcript. And the problem now becomes once that non-whistleblower whistleblower testifies uh that non-whistleblower is gonna have to explain the contact with adam the cowardly shifty shifts office and that then puts him in jeopardy now we have house republicans with a resolution of censure against the actions of Schiff. then we're going to also get out of the whistleblower non-whistleblower their politics and how they're connected to sleepy creepy crazy uncle joe 30330 that then becomes a problem so they don't want the whistleblower, non-whistleblower, to ever testify at all. And there's a, there are good reasons for all of this. By the way, Joe Biden's running out of campaign cash. It's just a matter of time now. Joe Biden is done. 
He's going to get that. Nobody, he's weakened at a high level. That's why, why are all these people, maybe we need Oprah to get in or Michelle Obama to get in or maybe, maybe Bloomberg should get in because that means they know in their gut that Congressman Al Green is right. They better impeach him because they're not getting rid of him. Congressman, are you concerned that impeachment talk may actually help the president's reelection? I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. If we don't impeach him, he will say he will he get reelected. That's all we need. And that's that is correct. Now, one of the more telling aspects of what happened yesterday, you got, you know, Pelosi was trying to answer this question today after refusing the authorization uh, vote on in the impeachment inquiry. This is huge news. You know what her biggest problem is? Nancy Pelosi can't get the votes to have a real impeachment inquiry. And this is where Republicans in the House need to stand united as one voice. And Republicans in the Senate, I know that there is a petition that is being circulated. I'll know more about it on Hannity tonight at nine that amongst Republicans saying we read the transcript. There's no impeachable offense. Don't even waste our time. That's coming. And there'll be enough senators that sign this thing. And that means that they're never going to get the magic number to convict. Now, how much more time are you going to waste to the American people? Because the American people can read it and they can see the stench of politics all over it. And the other reason Nancy Pelosi still doesn't want uh, an official inquiry, all the things that Newt Gingrich did for Bill Clinton and the Democrats back in the day and actually have a real vote And then we had the independent counsel statute and Ken Starr identified 11 separate felonies. But then that would grant co-equal subpoena power, not only to the cowardly shift, but the ranking member in the committee level. And by the way, it would require that all subpoenas be subject to a vote of the full committee at the request of either the chair or the ranking member. And it would, by the way, provide the president's counsel the right to attend all hearings and all depositions. Now they're doing it behind closed doors and maybe we'll release, you know, the the people that were screaming the loudest that they wanted the full unredacted Mueller report. Now they want to do everything in private. They don't want the public to be a part of any of this. And they don't want the president's attorney to have the right to attend the hearings and depositions that they have behind closed doors. They don't want to provide the president's counsel the right to present evidence. They don't want to or intend to provide the president's counsel the right to object to the admittance of of bad evidence, false evidence uh, or or politics to, to taint this thing. And they don't want to give the or provide the president's counsel the right to cross examine witnesses either or provide the president's counsel the right to recommend a witness list. You know, or intend to refer all the findings to, you know, Chairman Nadler either, because they've decided that the person they want to do this. Yeah, they they don't they don't want Nadler to be the one they want the cowardly shift, the biggest liar in Congress, the only guy that was on tape caught colluding. You know, what is the nature of the compromise? Uh, the compromising materials, uh, naked pictures of Trump and the naked pictures. Vladimir, see them. Yeah, but of course, this Vladimir, she show him the naked pictures, the compromising materials. Yep. Um, Ohio swing voters, as I said, Pelosi's impeachment hoax is a waste of time. 
Mike Pence telling Pelosi's impeachment uh, conspiracy theorist hoaxers to go pound sand. And they said they will not comply with the request from the House to turn over any documents related to the president's phone call with Zelensky. Why should they? This is not a real inquiry. They're not offering all the things that have been offered to the minority party in the past or to the executive branch in the past. You know, Pelosi literally asked House Democrats if they want to make it official and have a real impeachment inquiry. And they said no. And Pelosi said that she will not stage the vote on the House floor to officially launch the impeachment inquiry. And that decision came after Democratic leaders returning to Washington after their two week recess had reached out to members of their diverse caucus to gauge the party's support for such a vote. After back-to-back meetings with party leaders and then the full caucus, Pelosi announced no such vote would take place. Let me be clear. She doesn't have the votes. It is political suicide. They might impeach him, a pure, you know, a partisan political, you know, uh, misuse of what the constitutional process is. But they're never going to convict And they'll know that ahead of time. And Democratic aides, you know, they're saying, well, the process remains fluid. So that means they're going to twist every arm of every Democrat in a Trump one district in 2016. And they're basically going to say commit career suicide because that's what it's going to end up doing to them. So she doesn't want it. She doesn't have the votes. Then you got the battle with the extremists led by the squad. You almost feel sorry for Nancy Pelosi, but not quite. Not not quite at all. Anyway, and then what? Well, why do they want to impeach him for? Well, because then they want to put in place this this radical group of socialists. I mean, I watched it last night beyond it being boring. They're dumb. Their ideas are pathetic. I, I think we'd get better ideas from grammar school kids. Because everything that they're advancing is unsustainable, would destroy freedom in every sense of the word. Capitalism is now a bad word. State run industry of everything is what they want to do, the stated goal. So they lurch further and further from from anything that would resemble the former Democratic Party, even under Obama. They won't look at the corruption involved with with Hunter and Joe Biden. No, we can't go there. And, yeah, this, their answers on why the impeaching Trump are just lame. And they offering nothing in terms of except tax increases and control of every aspect of our life and no choice for medical care. And, you know, it's it's now how how do I out extreme the next extremist? John Pithoritz had a great analysis about Biden. 90 minutes in, it seemed like Biden was determined to prove every argument against him true, that he can't say anything coherent. There are moments, I mean, I, I as a talk show host, I, digra- I digress. But I mean, this guy digresses all over the place. On the 17th, look, the fact that George Washington worried on the first time he spoke after being elected president. Hundreds and thousands of innocent people between there and the, and the Iraqi border. 
I'm the only one that got uh, got moved the, uh, to make sure that we could not have a magazine that had more than 10 rounds in it. When you register it, the likelihood of it being used diminishes exponentially. The way to deal with those guns and those AR-15s and assault weapons that are on the street, are not on the street, that people own, <laughs> excuse me, in terms of foreign policy. I've never seen a time, and I spent thousands of hours in the situation room, what is happening in Iraq is going to... I, I can a, keep I mean, going. You've you got to understand something here. There's a gaffe in every sentence. And he can't even functionally put together a thought and complete it. You know, declaring himself proud of Hunter's judgment when he's admitting that he had no experience. Yeah, I guess I got it because of my dad's name. Yeah, probably true. Wow. And uh, Hunter himself said he showed bad judgment. Referring to people clipping coupons in the stock market, clearly meaning supermarket. Said he'd spent thousands of dollars of in the situation room dealing with foreign policy, and he called Syria Iraq. I mean, that's just every sentence is something wrong. Nobody on the debate stage last night did a whole lot better. That's his only saving grace here. But Biden is fading literally into the background, and now it's Elizabeth Warren's to lose. And Democrats want to, what? It was a great piece, USA Today of all, but they want to close churches, raise taxes, and pay for sex reassignment surgery. That's the modern, then take away your health care. I mean, even a, a question about Ellen DeGeneres sitting next to George Herbert Walker Bush. We have time for one more question that we would like all of you to weigh in on. Last week, Ellen DeGeneres was criticized after she and former President George W. Bush were seen laughing together at a football game. Ellen defended their friendship, saying we're all different, and I think that we've forgotten that that's okay, that we're all different. So in that spirit, we'd like you to tell us about a friendship that you've had that would surprise us, what impacts it's had on you and your beliefs. Secretary Castro, let's begin with you. Well, I can answer that question, uh, Anderson. Well, you know, all this fake news from that uh, Humpty Dumpty idiot, the stenographer over at Fake News CNN, who takes he basically takes notes from Jeff Zucker, writing all this stuff about Shep Smith, who made the decision himself. Fox News tried to keep him. You know, uh, Shep Smith and I don't agree politically. Does that tell you one thing? There's nobody better in a breaking news situation than him on air. We just disagreed politically. and We got along famously. In spite of political differences, he knows that I'm sincere. I know he's sincere. So what? You know what? It's not my cup of tea to be liberal. OK, he's known that since day one when we met. Not that we transcended politics. There's some friends of mine I don't talk politics with. Why? Because they hate my politics. Oh, I guess I can't be friends with them. That's stupid. If, if I pick my music based on that, that formula, I would listen to next to nothing. Zach Brown band, Charlie Daniels band, and Big and Rich. A few more country guys. Some of the country people are liberal. Here, Tim and Faith are really liberal. But whatever. You know, they have some great songs. Well, I do think Brooks and Dunn are pretty cool. Anyway, if I say that, forget it. You know, it's, the, it's a death sentence for anybody. Oh, by the way, go to Hannity.com. We got our new... Nine Lives Gear up there, which I think you're going to like. Yeah, Nine Line Foundation, all veteran-owned and operated. They're making great T-shirts for Hannity and all of our listeners. So please check it out at Hannity.com. I love those guys. They're awesome. Yeah, on Hannity.com. 
This is the sixth debate we have had in this presidential cycle, and not nearly one word with all of these discussions about health care on women's access to reproductive health care, which is under full-on attack in America today. And it's outrageous. There are states that have passed laws that will virtually prevent women from having access to reproductive health care. And it is not an exaggeration to say women will die. Poor women, women of color will die because these Republican legislatures in these various states who are out of touch with America are telling women what to do with our bodies. Women are the majority of the population in this country. People need to keep their hands off of women's bodies and let women make the decisions about their own lives. Thank you, Senator. I saw that extremism last night. Uh, I would have liked a follow up, but obviously Jeff Zucker didn't give out the questions as he dictates what is said every day over there at fake news, destroy Trump and Fox, Zucker and CNN. But what I really would have liked is, uh, do you have any restrictions on abortion or are you with the governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia that, well, first we'll deliver the baby and we'll make sure the baby's comfortable and then we'll ask the mother and then the mother will decide whether or not we use life-saving measures to keep the baby living independently alive. Yeah, the follow-up in that way would have been pretty good. Anyway, joining us, Bill O'Reilly is back with us. 15 bestsellers, number one bestsellers, his latest book, a massive bestseller, The United States of Trump, How the President Really Sees America. Um, All right, you watched this uh, circus last night. I'm dying to get your take on this. I had to watch it. I was forced to watch it. (laughs) Who forced you? It's still going on. Isn't it still going on? You're supposed to watch, you know, O'Reilly, you're supposed to watch my show because you're a loyal friend. What happened to that? I got five TVs, Hannity, and they're all they're all on Hannity, except the one on the debate. You know, here's what struck me. With the exception of Tulsi Gabbard, she's the exception. All the others on the stage um, say America is a terrible place. It's really rotten. What a terrible, awful country we live in that most American workers, they don't have anything. They're persecuted and we're all racist and all of that. Right. Everybody's got that line to to a varying degree. Well, three hours before the debate, I was at Yankee Stadium watching the Astros beat the Yankees and 50,000 people were with me. I didn't see any of that. I saw everybody having a pretty good time. They could afford the tickets and the hot dogs and the beer. Everybody was enjoying the game. America's pastime. I didn't see any of this. I didn't see any racism or homophobia or poor people uh, that were sleeping in the car outside the stadium. I didn't see any of that. So is it me, Hannity, or, or am I missing all this? One of the things that frustrates me, and I know you like to identify yourself, and I think you are a pretty independent but more conservative-leaning individual. I, I'm not a Republican. You've known that for years. I am a conservative. I'm a registered conservative. And what I like most about Trump, it's, it's not it, it, beyond the fact that we have a personal relationship, is he's all these things he's doing, ending burdensome regulation, largest tax cuts in history, freer, fairer trade deals, energy independence, even no more foreign entanglements, although I might want him to stay a little longer in Syria. It's a separate issue. That's what I believe for 31 years on the air, Bill. And every year as a conservative, 
the Democratic candidate will say every conservative is racist, sexist, homophobic, misogynic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. They want dirty air and water. They want kids to die, granny and grandpa to eat dog or cat food before we throw them over the cliff. I don't get the vision, see? And that's why I think the Democrats are in trouble. I think they know they're in trouble. So I'm going to ask all your listeners, if there was anybody on the stage last night, anyone, and take Trump out of the equation, all right, just take him out for a minute. Would you want any one of those individuals to be president of the United States with their vision of the country? One, just give me one out of 12. And I think the overwhelming answer for many Democrats is no. So you have a situation where the Democratic Party is weak and in trouble. Now, you're not going to hear that from the media. You'll never hear it. But that's what this impeachment thing is all about. It's what the media is frightened of the most, that if we don't destroy President Trump before the campaign really gets underway in the primaries, if we don't get him, he could win. Because we don't have a Bill Clinton. We don't have a Barack Obama. We don't have anybody hey, Bill, that can really stand up. Tell me if you disagree. Barack Obama would not fit in with this radical crowd. He'd be too I, conservative. I have a good relationship with Barack Obama, and I always have. He By would, the way, I never uh, understood that, but go ahead. <laughs> well, it was based on helping poor kids, the Brothers Keeper thing. I worked with him on it, and I got to know him a little bit. But I'm going to say this with no disrespect for Barack Obama. If he were running now, he would adapt. Agreed. He would go left because his instincts are left. His instincts are the government knows what's better for you. And that was behind Obamacare. So we have a country now. There's a separation of the 50,000 people in Yankee Stadium, half of whom you would assume it's New York, were liberal. And the 12 on the stage are telling you that this is a horrible country. We don't do anything right. Nothing. There's nothing that Donald Trump does right. Nothing conservatives do right. Nothing. And if you even talk to a conservative Ellen DeGeneres, we're going to try to hurt you. And added to that, guys like Beto O'Rourke, who are fascists, who are saying, if you don't believe the way I do, church, we're going to pull your tax exemption. If you have a gun, we're going to come in and take it if we want to. And we don't care about the Second Amendment. He's a fascist. All right. You add that into this crazy mix. And finally, Bernie Sanders at the end of the debate saying that worldwide unfettered capitalism is the biggest evil on the planet. Well, how on earth do you think the United States got to be the wealthiest country in civilization and could provide a good, honest living for 330 million people if they're willing to work hard. How did that happen, Senator? You know, it gets me angry. Now I'm getting worked up. I'm getting worked up, Hannity, because this is a fraud. You know, I wrote the United States of Trump because the attacks on Trump are a fraud. I righted the record in the book. All the racist stuff, all the he's evil stuff, I just take it one by one. Now we have an entire party perpetuating a fraud on the American people, aided and abetted 
by the media. It has never been this bad. I've never worried about the future of our country as much as I do now. I know it's sort of cliched to say that this is a tipping point, but this really is a tipping point. I mean, if, if people get away with the deep state activities that they've been involved in and we don't have equal justice or application of our laws and you get people abusing the powerful tools of intelligence and try to actively undermine the president with a soft coup, then these radical views ever get in place. Let me tell you what rich people are going to do if any one of those candidates get elected. They're going to leave the country. I know. They're leaving New York where we live. They're going to Florida and North Carolina. The country is depending on one man, and he's not a politician. His name is John Durham. He's a U.S. attorney investigating the quote-unquote deep state how they tried to destroy Donald Trump's campaign and then after he was elected. John Durham is now the most important man in the United States. His report will be out in the spring, I believe. And if he uncovers it and blows it out of the water and people are arrested, I believe that could be the tipping point back. In the meantime, President Trump should wise up. He's got a huge opportunity to do just what you and I are doing right now to tell the American people, look them in the eye, not tweet, do it in person. You are being misled. This is a giant fraud. And if it continues, this country is going to be damaged beyond repair. Spell it out, Mr. President. I think what's happening between all of the ways that they've now tried to take this president down and it's failing. I mean, listen, yesterday was a pivotal day. Nancy Pelosi can't take that vote because 40 of her members, her caucus members are in districts that Donald Trump won in 2016, that he's going to win again in 2020. It is a suicide mission for them. If Nancy Pelosi and the squad take them over the cliff on this impeachment issue. If the House votes on impeachment, they expose, I think it's more than 40, probably 60 to 70 seats that people in the district where those uh, um, House members are will vote against them. But even more important. That's a bold prediction. I mean, that would be the the biggest. Yeah, that would be a swing, the biggest swing back to Republicans in the House. But even more important is if Nancy Pelosi formalizes impeachment proceedings, the Trump administration can cross-examine. They're not going to do that. Yeah. And if the Trump administration uh, subpoenas and cross examines, then the media is handcuffed because right now all the media reports are leaks from Schiff and Nadler and all these people. That's what they report. They don't report the other side. But the other side would be in view if Nancy Pelosi formalizes. And that's why she's not doing it. This is where I think that Lindsey Graham is going with this. And I think the House Republicans are as well. Uh, I really did like the letter of of Cipollone, what he sent. And I liked what Kevin McCarthy sent. And if Lindsey Graham successfully gets 40 plus Republicans saying we've read the transcript, there's nothing impeachable. Don't waste our time in the Senate. Are they still going to go on the suicide mission? Sure. We don't have anything to lose because the media wants them to do it, as we discussed. Uh, a couple well, well, hang weeks on. Ago. They actually do have something to lose. And that is you would say 70. It's kind of 70 is a big number with gerrymandering. But I would say at least 40, maybe more, maybe 50. 
Seventy is a tough a lot number. Of districts. There are a lot of districts that are in play because of the economy, the good economy. See, the good economy helps Donald Trump. And if he can sustain it, if America can sustain it for another year, um, a lot of Democratic districts will go GOP because the Democrats, as we just discussed, are embracing socialism. That's that's what the party is for. The party doesn't want. Was Bernie Sanders challenged by anybody when he says unfettered capitalism is the biggest evil in the world? Did you see what Bernie said the day before? Ninety seven point five percent tax on rich people. When when did we start? Look, you and I kind of have similar roots. I think I worked harder, younger than you did, though. And and I'm, I was washing dishes at 12, delivering papers at eight. I was financially independent since I'm 10. And, you know, my parents gave me a roof over my head and pretty much let me run the streets. And they knew I was working. But, I mean, I made my own money. I didn't need their money. And they gave me a full refrigerator. They get, you know, and a lot of love. But, you know, these are different times, Bill. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know when we got to the point in this country where success is going to be punished. It's punitive now. But it's even beyond that. Private property is not respected. You're right. You know, the, the Trump tax cuts hurt me and it hurt you, too. Me, me too. Big time. Big yeah. time. I got my accountant just called laughing and said, uh, you wrote a book on Trump, right? And I said, of course I did. You know it. And he said, well, his tax rate just cost you this much money. I hope you make it back on the book. <laughs> so it's like, hey, Bill, no, no, nobody is going to care about your financial situation or no, mine. They're just that. not going to. But this big myth. That rich people don't pay any, their fair share. It's a lie. To confiscate it's... their property is another fraud. Bill, I pay 65%. That's what I pay. All right, I got to take a break. Bill O'Reilly, uh, the book is going gangbusters, by the way. It's the United States of Trump, How the President Really Sees America. It's on Amazon.com, Hannity.com, BillOReilly.com, and bookstores everywhere. Quick break, right back. We'll continue. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. I know so many of you, we've been, we're just so wrapped up in a news cycle that we just haven't taken enough calls. And, and some of you I know are just dying to get out. It's a catharsis, how you're feeling. And so many of you have great comments. Uh, so we want to leave plenty of time for the phones now. Um, let's go to Jim is in Ohio. Jim, how are you? Glad you called, sir. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Um, after watching the Hunter Biden interview, it became clear to me that that what's not being said here is all roads take us to the same place. We all in our hearts know that Joe Biden facilitated, participated in, you know, was aware of Hunter Biden's position um, at, at the worst. But even if you assume at the best that there was this one conversation and the only thing that was said is, I hope I know what you're doing. He's still not fit to be president. Where are the questions? Where are the admonishments? Where are the son? Hell, you can't do this. Um, you know, we need transparency on this. We need to disclose this. If, if Even if you can assume that he was, you know, blind to everything that was going on, that makes him just as unfit to be president as participating in this. You know, the greatest evidence of everything you're saying being true is the fact that Hunter Biden now is saying, if my dad is president, I will never join any foreign boards. The interview yesterday was a disaster. 
What experience do you have sitting on uh, an energy company's board and getting 50 grand a month? I think it's higher, but there's been mixed reports. Uh, I didn't have any, which was just about the same as I No, no experience in the country. Gas, energy, oil, none. Well, I sat on uh, uh, another board of Amtrak and I'm like, great, Amtrak. And what does Amtrak give you? What, what, he t- what's his qualifications for that? He, he traveled on Amtrak one day with his dad. And what about China? Ten days after he goes to China on Air Force Two. Well, I haven't taken a penny. Yeah, nice try at parsing words because even your lawyers pointing out you have equity that's coming your way and it's estimated to be $20 million. Now, if, uh, if a vice president's kid is getting all this free money, With no expertise, what do we call that? Buying influence, a conflict of interest, cronyism, pick your word. It's a, well, nobody said that anything's wrong here. I never talked to my son about any of his business dealings. Even that is contradicted by them. You see, the difference, Jim, is you live in Ohio, okay? To believe that this is all okay, you have to have the mindset of the lunatic left in this country, which is in New York and D.C. and San Francisco and Los Angeles, because you you have to defy you, you have to lose all fidelity to truth and you have to defy common sense and logic to get there. And the problem that the media mob and Democrats have is most people that make this country great that don't live in that sick sewer world of theirs are not buying this lie. Anyway, does that make sense? The people see it. it. Makes per- who, who can start the investigation? We keep asking, is anybody going to investigate this? Who can start this investigation? And, and why aren't we calling I'd like to out? get I'd like to get answers to a whole bunch of them. But all right, Jim, listen, thank you in Ohio. Heart and soul of America, like Oklahoma, where Ron is calling in. What's up, Ron? How are you? Sean, you're a great American. You too, my friend. Thank you. I'm really concerned about what's going on. Um, the IG report seems like it's never going to come out. Matter of fact, it was delayed once so that other witnesses could uh, rearrange their statements. Uh, Bill Barr and his associate are, I guess, uncovering all kinds of things or re-uncovering. And all this time that it's dragging out, dragging out, dragging out, Hillary is going to be able to throw her hat back in the ring because so far there's been no referrals made. Uh, there's been no uh, attempted, there's been no interviews, no anything with her under oath. And, um, and oh, by the way, <laughs> the Democrat Party has really nobody to pick from uh, out of that whole group of clowns. Uh, I'm afraid not only is she going to skate, but I'm afraid she's going to be able to get back in the office again because and I'm, I'm worried really that we're still dealing with the deep state. We are. And this long awaited report, you're right. There was a last minute. Well, let's just say people that knew that they probably were going to be in trouble started talking. That was part of the delay. What we've been waiting for now is we know that Inspector General Horowitz, um, this is more about FISA abuse, although we're told it may go beyond that, uh, has been in the declassification process and the FBI and DOJ are working together. I'm hearing Director Ray is not particularly cooperative and he wants to redact significant portions of it because it makes his agency look bad. 
And, well, I'm sorry, but Director Ray ought to be just the opposite. He ought to be more transparent. Let us know what happened so that he can be the guy that fixes the corruption that existed and the abuse of power that existed at the highest levels of the FBI, because that only helps the rank and file, the 99 percent of good people that work there. So we're waiting. It's an anticipate. You know, we're all anticipating it. I think the evidence we already know is enough to burn a lot of people and they get in a lot of trouble. Uh, It's not going to be tomorrow, according to my sources. So hopefully early next week. That's my hope. And we'll have to wait and see. Clark in Alabama. What's up, Clark? How are you? Is hey, it, Sean. Is it Roll Tide or War Eagle? Where are you? No, no, no. It's only Roll Tide in my house, buddy. Okay, got it. Ro- Ro- only Roll one or the other. And, Roll Tide and Fox News and Sean Hannity in my house uh, exclusively. Thank you, hey, my friend. Well, listen, my concern is about the IG report as well. I heard one of the congressmen on your show or Laura Ingram's show recently say that one of the things that's delaying it is that some of the agencies are pushing back hard on redactions. And that right now it appears that the the report might be up to about 20 percent redacted. And my question is, I thought Trump had already given Barr the authority to unredact all this stuff and get it out there where the people can see it. You know what I love about people that listen to this show? You're so smart because the president did, I think, wisely do exactly what you're saying. And that is that he because Barr was doing and handling the investigation, which also now is expanded out into the origins of the Russia hoax and witch hunt that included the power to declassify all of the things that people like me, Greg and John and everybody else have been calling for gang of eight information, 302 information. There's a lot out there. Um, So we know that the attorney general will make the ultimate call here. It is part of a normal process. I've got to be upfront about that, where where different agencies, in this case, the FBI is going to go in and say, no, we don't want to declassify this. We don't want to declassify that. I, I would imagine the final decision will be made by Barr. But the president, by giving the authority to Barr, is not is not withdrawn his own authority after the fact if he sees a need to do it. But, but Sean, but the, the thing I've heard is it's not just the FBI, that it's the State Department, that it's the some of the, the intelligence agents. You're very you're all correct. And they're all and, weighing it. They all want to water it down. But remember, Democrats wanted the full Mueller report unredacted. So we'll just demand if they go that way and they don't give us a if they give us a 20 percent redacted document, uh, we will demand the unredaction and the president would be able to weigh in on that. Now, I would imagine he might do that. I mean, he's been transparent. I mean, this guy handed out the Ukrainian president transcript. I don't Absolutely. think they ever expected that. That was a pretty nope. smooth move on his part because there was nothing. There's no quid pro quo. Nothing, nothing wrong with that call. Absolutely. All right, my well, friend, Joe, roll tide. I appreciate you. Thank Is you Alabama's got to be ranked number one. They're always number one, right? Well, there are in my heart. Are they not ranked number one? What are they ranked? Well, they are ranked number one now. But, you know, uh, what matters is where they're ranked at the end of the year. So we'll see. I got to tell you, there's no doubt Nick Saban is one of the best coaches ever, ever in college football history. Guy's amazing. And Alabama has a history of great coaches like Bear Bryant. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I was 
uh, eight years old when when Bear came back. So I got to go through his 20-something years and enjoy it. Now I've had a second bite at the apple with Nick Saban. It's almost like a dream come true. Funny, when I lived in Alabama, true story, I, you know, I grew up with the Yankees, the Mets. I was a huge ice hockey fan. I mean, a nut and a ice hockey player and a pitcher and baseball. You know, it's not a religion, college football in New York. It's not. It's a professional no. sports town. Right. And I had no idea till I got to Alabama. None. What a big deal it was. I learned a lot. It was an education. All right, my friend. God bless you. Thank you. Um, all right. Back to our phones. Florida, Tim, next Sean Hannity show. What's up, Tim? How are you? Oh, great. But we're a little bit frustrated. We, the people, we're feeling helpless about what's going on in the House of Representatives. We really don't have any say-so. We feel like we don't count. We're just observing a few people in Washington. So the simple question for you is, and I'm looking for a sincere answer, what can we do about it? The people at the bottom in every district uh, that Congress has, all 435, and by the way, they're all up for election. I don't know what to do. I don't know what we I'm going to give you your answer. I'm going to give you your answer. And by the way, just because I do this four hours a day doesn't make what I'm doing any more important than what you do. And I mean that. And let me tell you, these I'm I'm worn out after every day because of all the work we're doing. I mean, just to keep my head informed and above water, I'm gulping every day. I promise you. And it's it is I'm doing the job that no one else in the media mob will do. It's a, it's it, we we work hard and I promise you we're never going to stop uh, as long as you give us this microphone and camera. But the th- most important thing you're saying here, Tim, and I want you to hear me. Every spoke in a wheel matters. Every spoke is needed to make this wheel go around. Let's put Trump at the center of the wheel. He's like the axis and everybody else, including me, we're spokes. And if ju- if you vote, that is an important role. If you donate to a, a real conservative, that's an important uh, role in a job. Um, Florida, you can't ever take Florida for granted in any national election. By the bottom line is it's an all hands on deck moment for the country. We need every patriotic great American that is that uh, that is disgusted and finds what's going on in this sewer in Washington, New York, uh, et cetera, repulsive. To be motivated, maintain that motivation and fight every day so that we will shock the world again a year from now. That's the goal. We will shock the world a year from now. November 3rd, 2020. That's what that's what you can do. Everybody needs to know they have tried everything to remove this duly elected president. He's fighting every day, keeping every promise he said he'd keep. Everything he said, he's and even on Syria, he said, he's, I don't want these foreign entanglements. I'm getting the hell out. And whether you agree, the biggest tax cuts in history, energy independent for the first time in 75 years, more deregulation than than every president in the last hundred years, better trade policies. He found a way to get the money to build the wall. You know, if you we put conservative justices, originalists on the Supreme Court from the list he gave us. So the answer is all hands on deck, Tim. There's your answer. Your your help is pivotal. I only have one vote. You have one vote. You can get 10 other people, 100 other people. 
You're really that's a big, big help. Huge, actually. All right. I hope that does that help you out. Yeah, let's go get them. I'm I'm let's all go I'm all in. I'm all in too. I'm I've, you know, I'm all in to the point I'm being surveilled, I'm being unmasked, I have my text messages released, you know. I mean, this is an easy job for me lately. No pressure at all. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity show. Look, I want to remind you, if you have a cell phone and you hadn't switched to Pure Talk yet, you're paying too much for your cell service. Now, you have customer service located right here in the USA. The CEO chairman is a U.S. vet. No contract, risk-free. And by the way, the same great coverage at half the price of the big carriers. 99% of America is, in fact, covered. All right, just by the way, now use your phone. Dial two pound 250. Hit the keyword save now pound two five zero keyword save now pure talk. Guess what? You're saving a ton of money on your cell service. Every single plan that they have is offering you unlimited talk, text data. You get your first month uh, risk free, no contract to sign a veterans firm. I mean, you're just not going to do any better. You're paying for the same thing twice as much. Switch to Pure Talk. Just dial pound 250. Say the keyword save now. All right. When we come back, news roundup information overload. Jeff Kaylee McEnany. Mike Rowe is in the house. We'll check in with him. Dirty Jobs fame. Straight ahead. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. The question is, with the election only one year away, why shouldn't it be the voters who determine the president's fate? Because sometimes there are issues that are bigger than politics. And I think that's the case with this impeachment inquiry. Impeachment is the way that we establish that this man will not be permitted to break the law over and over without consequences. The impeachment must go forward. Senator Sanders, do Democrats have any choice but to impeach President Trump? Please respond. No, they don't. So I look forward, by the way, not only to a speedy and expeditious impeachment process. And the fact is that this president of the United States has gone so far as to say since this latest event that, in fact, he will not cooperate in any way at all, will not list any witnesses, will not provide any information, will not do anything to cooperate with the impeachment. They have no choice but to move. But the reality of it is that I don't really think this impeachment process is going to take very long because as a former prosecutor, I know a confession when I see it. Senator Booker, uh, you have said that President Trump's, quote, moral vandalism disqualifies him from being president. Can you be fair in an impeachment trial? Please respond. So I swore an oath to do my job as a senator, do my duty. This president has violated his. I will do mine. We can do two things at once. That's our job. We have a constitutional duty to pursue this impeachment. Secretary Castro, is impeachment a distraction? Not at all. Uh, We can walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, Mayor Buttigieg, you have said that impeachment should be bipartisan. There's been obviously very little Republican support to date, yet Democrats are proceeding. Is that a mistake? Well, it's a mistake on the part of Republicans who enable a president whose actions are as offensive to their own supposed values as they are to the values that we all share. Look, the president has left the Congress with no choice. Serious issues that have been raised around this uh, phone call that he had with the president of Ukraine and many other things that transpired around that are what caused me to support the inquiry uh, in the House. And I think that it should continue. So, in fact, 
Impeaching and removing this president is something that the American people are demanding. They're the voice that counts, and that's who I went to, the American people. I support impeachment, but we shouldn't have any illusions that impeaching Donald Trump will, one, be successful, or two, erase the problems that got him elected in 2016. If we do not hold him to account, if there is not justice, not only have we failed this moment, our Constitution and our country, but we have failed everyone who has sacrificed and laid their lives down on the line. And we cannot do that. Your signature, Senator, is to have a plan for everything, except this. No plan has been laid out to explain how a multi-trillion dollar hole in this Medicare for All plan that Senator Warren is putting forward is supposed to get filled in. This country will be even more divided. Why unnecessarily divide this country over health care when there's a better thank, way to deliver you, coverage Mayor. for all? Senator Bernie's being honest here and saying how he's going to pay for this and that taxes are going to go up. And I'm sorry, Elizabeth, but... You have not said that. And I think we owe it to the American people to tell them where we're going to send the invoice. And I appreciate Elizabeth's work. But again, um, the difference between a plan and a pipe dream is something that you can actually get done. And we can get this public option done and we can take on the pharmaceutical companies and bring down the prices. But I want to give a reality check here to Elizabeth, because no one on this stage wants to protect billionaires. Not even the billionaire wants to protect billionaires. Uh, We just have different approaches. Your idea is not the only idea. I think simply because you have different ideas doesn't mean you're fighting for regular people. Senator Warren, I just want to say that I was surprised to hear that you did not agree with me that on this subject of what should be the rules around corporate responsibility for these big tech companies, when I called on Twitter to suspend Donald Trump's uh, account, that you did not agree, and I would I would urge you to join me. I don't just want to push Donald Trump off Twitter. I want to push him out of the White House. That's our job. So join but me, the way, join but me the, in saying that his Twitter account should be your, shut down. But I think we need to be focused on lifting people up. And sometimes I think that Senator Warren is is more focused on being punitive or or pitting some part of the country against the other. Um, Instead of lifting people up and making sure that this country comes together around those solutions. Do you impose a wealth tax? Senator Warren is 100% right that we're in the midst of the most extreme winner-take-all economy in history. And a wealth tax makes a lot of sense in principle. The problem is that it's been tried in Germany, France, Denmark, Sweden, and all those countries ended up repealing it because it had massive implementation problems and did not generate the revenue that they'd projected. If we can't learn from the failed experiences of other countries, what can we learn from? We should not be looking to other countries' uh, mistakes. Let me, she referenced me. I agreed with the great job she did. And I went on the floor and got you votes. I got votes for that bill. I convinced people to vote for it. So let's get those things straight, too. Senator Warren, do you want to respond? I am deeply grateful to President Obama who fought so hard to make sure that agency was passed into law. All right, there you hear the socialist, radical, extremist madness from uh, last night. Glad you're on board. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. We, you learn a lot here. Um, one of the things, if you thought Obama was liberal, think again, because they're making him almost look like a conservative. He could not survive with his radical agenda with this new crop of extreme candidates here. 
They want to outlaw private insurance, Medicare for all. That means you'll have no option. We now have nearly 40 percent of the country that has only one health care option. Hundred, you know, 200 percent increases. Whatever happened to keep your doctor, keep your plan and save money. You only have one choice in almost 40 percent of the country. Everybody's paying two, three times what they were paying. And so we'll outlaw. Then we'll have the new green deal on top of it. Bankrupt everybody. And then we're going to punish the successful and the wealthy to the point where everybody that has anything in this country is going to leave. That is your modern extreme left wing Democratic Party. All right. Joining us now, uh, Kaylee McEnany is with us, National Press Secretary, Trump 2020 campaign. Jeff Lord, author of the bestseller Swamp Wars, Donald Trump and the New American Populism versus the Old Order. Uh, Guys, great to have you back as usual. All right. So I want to I want you both to do this. I want you to weigh in on. And maybe, Kaylee, we'll start with you, a comparison between, say, Mayor Pete, Mr. Buttigieg, to Obama. If you make the comparison, Obama looks like a right winger. What do you think? Yeah, President Obama is entirely left behind by this field. Uh, This is a field of radical leftists. And look, that includes Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden is just as far left as his peers. He wants a public option. That's something Obama shunned. It's something that would root out employer-provided insurance. But you have Joe Biden advocating for that. He wants to eliminate fossil fuels. Uh, All of these guys, from Mayor Pete to Joe Biden to Elizabeth Warren to Bernie Sanders, they are as far left as you can get. And the fact that Elizabeth Warren is now the front runner tells you all you need to know about exactly where the Democrats of 2020 stand. And Jeff, what's your take on that? I want you to speak to this. You served for Reagan. You worked in the Reagan administration. Warren is promising everything under the sun, but can't explain how she's ever going to pay for it. She can't even answer the simple question. That's been asked now a thousand times about middle class taxes being raised. That is that is so right. I, I mean, I, I just find it amazing that President Obama is rapidly becoming an outcast in his own party. And here is his own vice president uh, running for this nomination, and they're going after him. I mean, this is really Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders stuff here. And that's what's taking over the Democratic Party. And I've seen it before. This was what happened in 1972 with George McGovern. And uh, all of these leftists that came out of the left field, literally and figuratively, politically, to overtake Senator Ed Muskie, who was the Joe Biden of the day. This is happening again. And this is going to reelect President Trump without doubt. And then when talking to Tapper on a hot, hot mic says, well, I can't say that. Oh, I can't say that. Welcome back. We have with us Massachusetts Democratic Senator. Uh, OK, what exactly is she not allowed to say? Yeah, you know, it's incredible uh, that you had Mayor Pete there. You know, he was pressing Elizabeth Warren. I am saying, look, you can't even give a yes or no answer. It, it is funny because each and every debate you watch her obfuscate when asked how she's going to pay for her plans. And she says, well, costs will not go up. This tricky little gimmickry about costs not going up. Well, what she's really saying is your taxes will go up. Uh, and I'm going to conflate that and use the word cost. And Mayor Pete uh, hit the nail on the head when he said, give a yes or no answer. Our taxes going up. She wouldn't give the answer. So I'll give it for her. You better believe it. Your taxes are going up. Should you elect Elizabeth Warren as president? And Jeff, what's your take on that? I'd like to know what she can't say. So Jeff, is, is any 
any politician now able to give any yes or no answer? I mean, are we going to be able to pin them down on any of these questions? Because Donald Trump answers questions. He gives you, there's no doubt where he stands. He made promises. He has an agenda and he's keeping it. Yes, even on Syria. And by the way, poll out today, two thirds of Americans support him on that. So we're not getting any straightforward answers for them. It's all pontification. Well, that's right. And, you know, I think that the Walter Mondale experience it probably weighs heavily with these people. If you'll recall, when he won the Democratic nomination, he gave in his acceptance speech. He said, uh, Ronald Reagan will raise your taxes. He won't tell you, but I will. I'm going to raise your taxes. Well, 49 state laws later, <laughs> this was pinpointed as, you know, perhaps the moment that he lost the election. And I think that for sure, they don't want to repeat this. I mean, when Stephen Colbert can't get a straight answer out of Elizabeth Warren, you know there's a problem. We have time for one more question that we would like all of you to weigh in on. Last week, Ellen DeGeneres was criticized after she and former President George W. Bush were seen laughing together at a football game. Ellen defended their friendship, saying we're all different, and I think that we've forgotten that that's okay, that we're all different. So in that spirit, we'd like you to tell us about a friendship that you've had that would surprise us, or what impacts it's had on you and your beliefs. Secretary Castro, let's begin with you. On the 17th, look, the fact that George Washington worried on the first time he spoke after being elected president, hundreds and thousands of innocent people between there and the and the Iraqi border. I'm the only one that got got moved the, uh, to make sure that we could not have a magazine that had more than 10 rounds in it. When you register it, the likelihood of it being used diminishes exponentially. The way to deal with those guns and those AR-15s and assault weapons that are on the street, are not on the street, that people own, <laughs> excuse me, in terms of foreign policy. I've never seen a time and I spent thousands of hours in the Situation Room. What is happening in Iraq is going to be, I mean, excuse me, in Afghanistan, took a, almost a $90 billion act that, that kept us from going into a depression, making us in a, put us in a position where I was able to end, Rovi, excuse me, able to end the issue of gun sales in terms of assault weapons. Well, the senator said, she's being vague on the issue of, actually both of them being vague on the issue of, uh, of the, uh, uh, Medicare for all became very close friends with my wife, Jill, visit our home. He's there with his children. So for God's sake, get up, get up. And remember, this is the United States of America. There's nothing, nothing we've been unable to do when we decide we're going to do it. All right. As we continue with Kaylee McEnany, National Press Secretary, Trump 2020 campaign, Jeff Lord, author of Swamp Wars. We've seen Warren do this time and time again. Nothing is genuine. You know, from the, uh, you know, from Warren or any that and her husband, you know, she's not a Native American. She just lies, makes it up, advances her career. Um, CNN had no interest in uh, Tulsi Gabbard. You know, she she got no time, just like the Project Veritas videos revealed yesterday. And so I guess CNN has decided, Kaylee, that Warren is going to be their candidate. 
Yeah, I think Elizabeth Warren is going to be the nominee uh, at this point. It looks, it certainly looks that way, and I don't see the dynamic changing. Uh, but let's be clear. I know that CNN, MSNBC, they'll try their best to cover for her, but she's a serial liar. She has a history of lying. She literally, we know, lied about her Native American heritage. As it turns out, she's only one in 1,024th Native American. Then we find out she lied and said she didn't get a job because she was, quote, visibly pregnant, only to be contradicted by her own words a decade earlier. Uh, she has a real problem with the truth. So as much as they try to cover for her, I can tell you this, we'll be shining a light on the mistruths of Elizabeth Warren. And there are many more to come. That's just the tip of the iceberg. All right, Jeff, you you agree with Kaylee. You think Warren's it. You know, in, in a sense, uh, I think Elizabeth Warren, I mean, she's very much an intellectual and she lives in her head. She would be the perfect contrast to the president, who is, of course, a practical businessman. And Americans get this. I mean, this is one of the reasons why they like him, that he breaks the mold, that he's very down to earth. Uh, They love it. She lives in her head and she'll pay a price for that politically. All right, guys, Jeff, Kaylee, thank you. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, Our good friend Mike Rose stops by. That's coming up. Uh, at the bottom of this half hour, and your calls straight ahead. At 25 to the uh, top of the hour, toll-free, telephone numbers, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. So I I got addicted to one of these cable shows called Dirty Jobs. (laughs) And I'm thinking this is my whole life unfolding before my eyes because I did all of them, not the ones that Mike Rowe did. But, I mean, I just love the stuff that people do in their lives. And I love the fact that Mike would throw himself into whatever the work was. And it, some of it was pretty dirty stuff. Um, and uh, Mike Rowe, anyway, he's become a friend over time, really admire him. And uh, he's written a brand new book. It's called the way I heard it. It's part stories from his podcast and part memoir on his part. And uh, Mike, by the way, Mike Rowe works. He has a foundation and they give scholarships to students pursuing a career in the skilled trades, which I think is amazing. One of the best things I ever did in my life was spend 10 years. Let's see. I built houses and I rehabbed houses and I was a painting contractor. Learn how to hang wallpaper was a wallpaper and painting contractor. Sure. Then I did rehab. Fell off a roof three stories, hit my head, became a conservative, had a dislocated arm and a, a broken radial head um, and uh, laid tile. I, I love finish work. You should write a book. I'm not writing a book about that. Nobody cares. I'm writing a book, but um, but it's not going to be about that. Here's here's some unsolicited observational advice. How are you, by the way? Good to see you. I'm great. You too. Get some cameras, dude. Get some cameras yeah. and put them out here and chronicle what... You could, what your listeners can't see. Get it on video. I'm on TV an hour a day. Not like this, you're not. I like the intimacy I just of spent, radio. I just spent 20 minutes with this traveling circus you call a crew. They're fantastic, no, they're by the they're way. They're the best. But you should hear what they say about you when, when you're not oh, listening. I, I, they say it to my face. It's There's nothing, remarkable. It's remarkable. By the way, am I not the best boss? By the way, I buy everybody in there lunch, dinner, every day. Every yeah. one of those people in that room get big bonuses every year. Because I love them all. I do the same for my people, but yeah. I but I chew their food 
I'm for not them. chewing there. And then it. I feed them like a mother bird. And I'll tell you, Sean, they keep coming back for more and more. Chew my food, Mike. Chew it more. I mean, this is the unintended consequences of treating your people with that level of care and attention. It's just going to you're, you're going to be chewing other people's food for the rest of your life. I'm just warning you. Do you agree with me? I'm going to ask a serious question and ignore all of that because you got them in tears. Do you agree with me that fame is unhealthy? Yes. Do you agree with me that real work is extraordinarily healthy? And if you did real work in your life and then experienced some success later, you never forget where you came from. That's a complicated question. You phrased it in a somewhat awkward way, but I do believe that fundamentally you're asking me if hard work is its own reward. And to that, I would concur. But, it all, but I, I'm never going to. It's in my DNA mm-hmm. that I was a dishwasher and a paper boy and a cook mm-hmm. and a busboy and a waiter and a bartender and a paper hanger and a painter and a builder and a tile layer. For, that was 20 years of my life. Let me tell I'll tell you what I think, where I, where I think you're going with it and where I agree passionately is that as you get older and as you experience something like success or actual success, however you define it, the jobs where you started, the, the first rungs on the ladder, you're going to remember them with all of the import mm-hmm. and more than you otherwise would. I've talked to so many people who have had a lot of success in their life. And invariably, what comes up first is the time in their life where they paid their dues, where they did the hard thing, where they sweated it out, where they delayed their gratification, where their attitude in hindsight was ultimately the thing that got them through. Those are the things we remember. And the tough jobs, the difficult jobs, the dirty jobs, those are the mini crucibles that allow us to pass through something that shapes us. You In your book, you talk about when you got Dirty Jobs, the series, that, you know, you devise, you know, using a, a real pig on a pedestal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the network was trying to figure out how to promote the program. And they had all sorts of ideas where I would be sort of portrayed as the epitome of a blue collar working guy or where we would do all of these heightened is exaggerated homages to traditional versions of work. At the same time, uh, I think it was MasterCard was doing that whole what's in your wallet campaign. Yeah. And I wanted to say what's on your pedestal. You know, what is it that you actually admire. And so rather than put a person on it, I wanted like an icon and a pig to me was the epitome of both dirty jobs, hardworking. They certainly make the ultimate sacrifice for us. So I put a pig on a pedestal, a white pedestal. And while we filmed a series of ads for the show, this pig crapped in a way that I haven't seen an animal crap in a long time. I mean, all, all, all different varieties of crap, right? It was, the, it was a small, tasteful little pieces of poo and explosive diarrhea. And when we were done shooting this promo, that white set that we were on had looked like you had painted it brown many years ago during one of your first jobs. You get very personal in this book. You talk about your parents, the best advice about your grandfather, um, a betrayal, Mm-hmm. of a trusted financial advisor you oh, thought yeah. was a friend. Yep. Paul Harvey's influence on you, which I thought was fascinating. But to me, you Dirty Jobs defines you because I, watching it, I, I saw that you appreciate mm-hmm. what real Americans do every day. Because I, I don't think America's great but by these people in New York and Washington. I think those are the, the dirtbags in life. Well, look, it's... um. 
It's flattering. I mean, as a broadcaster, I'm glad you like the show, but I'd be curious on your thoughts about, about the way we shot it. You know, and this is what I miss about TV, and this is the only time I've ever had a chance to work like this. But Dirty Jobs, we, we never did a second take. Ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't do any scouting. There was no pre-production. There was certainly no writing. There was no actors. So the viewer saw something that you almost never get to see on TV. They saw what I saw. They saw the day that I experienced it and the chronology that I experienced it in. And uh, if you're going to labor in, in, in a form called reality TV or nonfiction, it just always seemed to me that you... There was you, no editing at all? Oh, no, we edited it. But when we put it together, I mean, so we shot from sunup right. to sundown. That's what I'm going to say. You get the story of the day. Right. But what you got on Dirty Jobs was the day itself laid out in the actual in reality. order it occurred. You got reality. I, this is why I'm sort of tying two things together here. And that is that I think me doing those, that, those jobs for two decades of my life defined me. I think you're probably right. And I think that my belief in God, which is real, I mean, I'm not the best person. Christians actually believe they're the ones that need the forgiveness. And my work ethic and my parents, I know I stand on their shoulders and my mom worked more 16-hour shifts as a prison guard than I can count for 25 years. And my dad, a probation guy, but also a waiter on weekends and my grandparents with 10 bucks, all four of them from Ireland, 10 bucks in their pocket, the most they had. Mm-hmm. And how, 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 how is it that I whine ever? I don't have any right to whine and we whine. Yeah, we whine. We like the way whining makes us feel. <laughs> and we also like the sound of our own voices. And when you combine uh, the sound of your, <laughs> I hate the sound of mine. I like the sound of yours better. Well, you know, I mean, I just wish I had something fascinating to say, Sean, honestly. Tell me but, about your, your parents and grandparents. Cause you, and Paul Harvey. So Paul Harvey, um, as you know, I mean, when I think of great storytellers, you know, jeez, uh, uh, Charles Kuralt and Studs Terkel and George Plimpton and Paul Harvey, and these guys are gone now, you know, and, and they, they had a way on the radio and they had a style and they had a point of view and a level of ownership that I, that I think is missing today, by and large. I liked Harvey because he made history and biography interesting to people who would otherwise not be interested in either. And I dedicated the book to him, and and I write in the style of the rest of the story because I sat in a long-term parking lot in the mid-'80s, got to the airport late, was waiting to, you know, I had to run to catch my flight, but I couldn't get out of the car until I heard Paul Harvey say, and now you know the rest of the story. Good day. <laughs> and I missed my flight, you know, because I sat in the car <laughs> waiting to hear the end of the damn story. And so for me— you know, I always wanted to write stories that made people late, that, that they, they had to get to the end of. So that's why I do a podcast in that style. That's why the book is called The Way I Heard It. But it was my mother who you met who encouraged me to uh, interrupt these biographies of famous people I'd never known with true stories of my own life that in some way rhymed with these people and maybe explained why I chose to write about the people I wrote about. And the result is the book you have. It's this weird mix of autobiography and biography, mystery and memoir. And it's the way I heard it because honestly, like you, I am tired of people who are just completely infected with certainty telling me without any shred of hubris or humility precisely how a thing has to be. I mean, we're, we're a nation now. Don't get me wrong. I, I love conviction and I'm a big fan of people who know what they believe and why. 
There but is there is objective truth, you know. There absolutely there's objective truth, but the question is, what's persuasive? Do you take the objective truth and beat somebody over the head with it, or do you lay it out in front of them in a way that hopefully allows them to connect to some dots, right, and and maybe arrive at their own conclusion? We're just out of time in this country. A lot of people feel like they're out of patience as well. And so we're screaming at each other. We're not saying, hey, I've been thinking about it and this is the way I heard it. We're saying, I've done my research and I've got my links and I've got my sources. And now and now I'm going to instruct you. So there's a lot of lecturing and there's a lot of proselytizing. And there's there's a fair amount of truth out there. But how we get to it, you know, Paul Harvey. There's a lot of lying. It. There's a lot of nonsense. There's a too. lot of propaganda. That's right. There's a lot of people that have an agenda. I'll tell you, I don't know how you would reconcile. And now let's get into this whole political divide in the country. Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile that you got a group of people on the left that will every election say a conservative is racist, sexist, uh, misogynist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic? They want dirty air and water. They want children to die. They want granny and grandpa to only eat dog food before a Paul Ryan lookalike throws them over the cliff mm-hmm. uh, or that can't accept the results of an election. Mitt Romney is the nicest guy in the world, said everything Trump said, and he was nice. And they still called him a racist and a misogynist because he had women's binders with resumes. He wanted to hire them. Yep. Um, I don't know how you reason with those people. Why would you? You can't. Why wouldn't you just you, say you, then it becomes a fight? Yeah. But look, how are you going to fight him? Me, I would I would step back and I'd say, okay, world, you just heard some evidence. Now you get to decide, A, is it factual? So you'll do your homework. But more importantly, is it persuasive? Are you hearing something you want to hear and therefore agreeing with it out of knee jerk? Or are you hearing something you don't want to hear and therefore disagreeing with it for the same reason? How much time are you going to put into it? See, I, I would look at when it at, comes to saving the country. I don't think there's we have I have an urgency about it because I think this country is in trouble. I think what you're doing is really important. And I think this conversation and the fight has to happen the way it's happening in your slice of the media, which lets it say it's a it's a pretty big slice. Like you're in a knife fight, my friend, in a phone booth, and I've seen you do it. You do it every day, and I applaud it. Four hours a day. But you here know, it comes. Here comes the Hannity hit. Go well, ahead. No, no, it's it's the what's the old expression? Everything yeah. you hear before butt is BS. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, but but I don't mean any of this as a backhanded uh, compliment at all. The the people in your audience, you got them. You persuaded them. It's the choir, and it's a big choir, and many of them are here because of you. But there's something else going on in the country that goes into another slice. How do you get the people who don't find you persuasive? How do you do that? I can only stand up for principles and truth as I know them. And I can only see that there's a group of people that, let's look at the deep state. The president was there was a dirty Russian dossier that was used. They knew they were warned repeatedly that it was not authentic. It was never verified. It says on the top of a FISA warrant verified. And they used it anyway Mm -hmm. to spy on a candidate, then a transition team, then a president. That's just truth. There's no. So the answer is those people that hate Trump. I will never be able to persuade them. That's so right. I will argue we must defeat them. That's why I think, look, the Second World War was a complicated affair. It was fought on a couple of fronts. Not that complicated. It was good versus evil. Well, it's pretty simple when you look back at it. But when you're in the midst of it, you can't 
you can't win in Tarawa. You you can't win in the in the South Pacific and be in the Ardan at the same time. You you've got a German problem. You've got a Japanese problem. You've got to fight those wars in different ways. Tojo Hitler. Uh, the last century, a hundred million human souls destroyed. Mm-hmm. That's 100 a fact. Million. That's a fact. That's that's a fact. That I wrote a book, Deliver Us from Evil. Person that works with you worked on that book. That's evil. Wait a minute. The person who works with me? Yeah, or Jen, the, the... Jen worked on that okay. book. Oh, good. Okay. She was the publicist. Because she is not the personification of evil. She's very nice. No, I spent she... the last 24 hours with her. Well, you know I, what? She bought I, me lunch and she said some very kind things to me. I could talk to you forever. I, I, I wish... I wish we could get along like you're, you're dreaming about. I don't think I don't see it as possible. There's a, there, we now are fighting for the soul of America, don't constitutional hold on, hold republic, on, or we're going to have socialism and state run everything. Last okay. word, you get the last word. So I can't disagree, but I think you have to agree too that when you frame it in a binary choice, you're going to get in a binary world, and the shades of gray will go away. It's going to be a black and white thing. Now, you see it that way, and I'm not even disagreeing with you. I'm just saying there are people out there that can be persuaded. Do you agree with this? This is a live free, choose freedom, or America dies. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, 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 I actually do. But my friends who are inclined towards socialistic leanings uh, aren't going to be persuaded by that argument. No, not at all. So I, I have friends that are... Time's up, gentlemen. Shep Smith and I got along. Nobody would yeah, believe that. I believe it. Yeah. yeah, you're a reasonable guy. The way I heard it, Mike Rowe, it's on Hannity.com. Do you have a website, Mike Rowe.com? Or yeah, something? Mike Rowe.com slash book is a fine place to get it. Or bookstores everywhere. Uh, good to see you. You're a good hey, man. man. Thank you for having me. And honestly, I applaud what you're doing. I applaud what you're doing. Thank I, you, sir. I, I applaud louder. Good. I deserve it more. <laughs> yeah, but I'm clapping for myself. <laughs>